0: Once
1: again, we're, we're focusing on the Holy Spirit. And the reason why I think that's important for us as our church began to set its foundations because uh, since 1901, anybody know kind of what happened in the spirit-filled, charismatic, Pentecostal world in 1901? Let's go ahead, and say it out loud. Yes. So there was this event called the Azuzu Street Revival in Aden, A, USA. Uh, this this uh, area in Azusa Street, um, where an African-American pastor went to California and started this revival, being led by the Holy Spirit. And in this movement, uh, what happened is people started speaking in tongues, uh, people started getting healed, all these things started happening. And if you've ever heard of the term charismatic or Pentecostal or spirit-filled, That's the inception of the movement here in America. Now this movement has been so powerful that right now it is the fastest growing movement even today on the planet regarding Christianity charismatic movement is still pervading the rest of the planet. Now, when the uh, Azusa Street revival started, people thought that God had poured out His Holy Spirit for the purposes of evangelizing the rest of the world. Now, understand, when when uh, the Holy Spirit fell during that event, people had assumptions regarding what they thought God was going to do. So, for instance, people started speaking in other tongues, right? And as they're speaking in tongues. People are hearing it and they're like, what in the world is happening? Well, they point to the Bible and say, look, and they'll speak in other tongues. So oh, okay. So they thought, well, you know what? We don't need to study other languages in order to preach the gospel. We'll just go there speaking in tongues. People will understand us, and then the whole world will be saved. No. It didn't happen that way. They, they were speaking in tongues went in other parts of the planet people were like what are you doing you're crazy right because they weren't speaking in other languages of men not all the time now there have been recorded instances where people were speaking in what we call tongues because of the holy spirit and people from other countries were able to understand exactly what they were saying now, now, there there's a lot of different spiritual dynamics that are that are happening in this context. But understand today, in this year, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, my job as the, the pastor or a teacher is just to explain how the Holy Spirit has functioned throughout the course of human history. Because a lot of times people think about the Holy Spirit, they only talk about tongues. And that's such a minor part of the proliferation the, the and the, Toolkit of the Holy Spirit now understand that we as we go throughout the the course of the year We're going to see different aspects of the spirit moving in relation to fulfilling God's will And if you want to understand uh, the Holy Spirit is like the implementer of God's will the creative force But he's the implementer of God's will so so for instance, we're gonna we're gonna talk today about um, this individual who was was filled with God's Spirit to do innovative and creative things. And and when you actually start thinking about it, it's kind of mind-blowing that God can give you the Holy Spirit to make you creative, artsy. Now, I would need the Holy Spirit to be artsy, to be really honest, because I am the least artsy human being on this planet, right? I am a meat and potatoes type of guy. But see, sometimes I sell myself short because a lot of times we think creativity is simply art. In reality, it's actually finding new and innovative ways to solve problems. Right? And so whether you know it or not, I believe the Holy Spirit may be currently functioning in your own life. But because it's not tongues or miracles, you're not giving him the credit regarding what is going on in your life i we'll, will we'll, get to the scripture and show you how this is an important point. All right, now it's not working. Can we? Okay, got a quick quote we'll jump into the scripture. It is our responsibility to discover our talents, to accept them as from God, to develop them through education and training, and to use them for to use them for His glory. I believe this with all of my being. I believe this life is like the practice field, and actually, when my wife and I. Have been we're trying to design what endurance church would look like. We actually had a, a, tr- a ministry area called the practice field where people will actually through simulation, learn simulated environments and the scenarios, learn how to respond in a Godly way to specific scenarios. I and mean, we, we still hope to do that one day, but understand a lot of times Christians get stuff wrong because we're faced with a temptation and we haven't had practice on how to respond appropriately to the temptation. I know that's important because I play sports. Anybody who plays sports, you know, you can't just go out and perform properly if you haven't prepared. But a lot of Christians haven't prepared at all. We're we're told to, to be effective, but we've never practiced on being effective. And sometimes we have no clue regarding how we're supposed to respond because we can't take what's in the scriptures and apply it in our lives. So it's not simply taking what's in the scriptures and applying it, but it's applying it appropriately. You have a job. Some of you have SOPs and policies, and it tells you how to respond in a very difficult situations. Look at the SOP, standard operating procedures. We know how we're supposed to respond to this. You look at the SOP, you look at what it says to do, and you do it. We have an SOP in the church. It's the Bible, and it tells us how to respond to almost every single situation that we'll face. Next slide, please. So understand this, we went from Joseph and the dream and we talked about how the Holy Spirit had inspired him through dreams. And we talked about how dreams can be God communicated to you. And after that, someone actually had a dream and texted it to me and said, Pastor, I just had a dream. And this is what the dream. I said, awesome, God is speaking, right? So God speaks through dream. We, we talked about how God in, in, in the beginning of the Bible, through the Holy Spirit created everything. The Holy Spirit is the force that created all of life. The Holy Spirit. And we talk about how, how the Holy Spirit also was grieved in humanity's actions. And that's why God flooded the planet. The Holy Spirit said, I'm, I can't deal with humanity no more. So your day is going to be how long? 120 years. And so now, now we're going to talk today about how the Holy Spirit filled some men of God in order to do something very creative for God. But you have to understand the context first, as you know, I try to put stuff in context so we can move forward. So understand this. We're in Exodus, and everybody knows the big event that happened in Exodus, right? It was? The Exodus. The Exodus. <laughs> this is the best church of all time. So understand, uh, Israel or the Hebrews are delivered from Egypt. They go through the ten plagues. Moses has come back. Him and Aaron go to Pharaoh, they're talking trash to each other, God's gonna show himself so mighty, and eventually they're delivered. They go uh, to the um, Red Sea, the water parts, they walk through the water because of all the ten plagues. Pharaoh's army gets drowned, in. and then after that, the first praise and worship song happens in the entire Bible. I wonder why I have, no one's made a song about that, but actually the first praise and worship song is is and what's her name? Mary, Mary but she has a worship song going on after the delivered. Like, now, you understand, we're reading a book, but these are human beings, just like us. And they're seeing all these different events. And somehow, spontaneously, she she comes up with this song describing how God, with a mighty hand, has just delivered them from Pharaoh. And so now they're responding to God in worship. So now, they're going up to this place called Mount Sinai. And, and so far, things seem okay, but, I mean, now, when they get to Mount Sinai, we know some troubling times happen, right? The, the golden cow and all that, we, we know that. But but something interesting happens that most people misinterpret. While, while Moses is up on Mount Sinai, God gives him something. Anybody know what God gives him? And, and that's most people's response. Most people think God only gave Moses the Ten Commandments. But he gave him... The first five books. Mm-hmm. The, 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 he gave him the the Pentateuch, the first five books. He he gave him this revelation through forty days. It didn't take him just forty days to write down the Ten Commandments. Right. He was up there a long time writing down what we call the, the Torah, the beginning of the Old Testament, right? And so he's up there writing it down because this is what you have to understand. Something cataclysmic happens at the beginning of the Bible. Adam and Eve commit a sin, and you—if you understand the Bible, this is the one. If you say pastor, a lot of times you're just deep or you just talk so high, or the words you use, or just bear, listen to this with all your soul. God is trying to bring us back to the beginning of the Bible. So, if you want to know what the future looks like, if everything I talk about is one of two things. Eden or Jesus. That's what this whole book is about. I've challenged a couple people in here to read the entire Bible. Read the whole Bible. Because sometimes you say, I don't understand because you haven't read what the Bible talks about. It's a story about God's plan for redeeming humanity. That's, That's what the Bible's about. So when you open up the Bible, you see God created. Humanity was doing great because God and humanity were one. There were int- there was intimacy. They were they were like a couple on their. we were like a couple on our honeymoon. Oh, you got quiet because you started processing them, right? <laughs> it's all good on the honeymoon, right? Oh yeah, where are we going? I don't know, I I, I want to go to the room, right? That's as as I'm talking my honeymoon, I don't care. i love this room Being in the hotel. That's in my mind. My wife's we like, want to go to the rocks, we want to go see the <laughs> restaurant, I'm like Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. But but intimacy was the point. God and Adam and Eve were intimate. That is what the entire book of the Bible is about. God is trying to get us back to being intimate with himself. And that's what we talked about when we talked about heaven. That new Jerusalem that's coming out of the sky. That's our hotel room. That's the best analogy I got. That's where we're going to be intimate with God forever. But let me show you how deep the Bible is. So remember, in, in in the Garden of Eden, man, woman, and God were there together. Now, what happened is humanity sinned, and we were what? We were kicked out of the Garden. And so now, ye hundreds of years pass, and then eventually this event happens where they're delivered out of the hand of Pharaoh. And now uh, they go to this place called Sinai, and on the top of this mountain, they see what do they see? Clouds, but there's something in the middle of that cloud. Fire. Why? So so, and where? Well, they, when they first were with God, it was just there was no fire. It was just God walking around them. But now they're seeing God, and He's a what? A consuming fire, because. Sin has pervaded creation. And what is happening is God is burning away everything that's not like him. So God is up on that mountain and no one can approach the mountain. And so the people of the Hebrews are scared to go to the mountain. God tells them don't even touch the mountain because they'll what? Die. And so you have to understand how different things have. Become since Adam and Eve fell until the time now where they're looking at the base of the mountain up at God, they're like, We don't want to go close to God because we don't want to die. Now, we won't die because God is evil, but we will die because He's so good. He's, He's so good that it burns away anything that's impure. That's why the Bible says the world will be destroyed by what in the end? Fire. So I mean, why will we be destroyed by fire because God will be here and this is what it looks like up on the mountain. God's burning. He's holy and they're afraid to approach him. Now. Now what happens is Moses goes up on top of the mountain. And he's up there. And he's getting the instructions regarding the Bible. He, he talks about you know, Genesis. He writes down Genesis. He writes down uh, Exodus. He's writing all this stuff down right now. Understand here, when Exodus comes, he has a conversation about the tabernacle, right? And we know that when God would describe the creation, how many chapters did it take for him to describe creation? Two, one, three. Now, he spends 13 chapters describing the tabernacle. And this tabernacle is like a tent. It's, it's a tent where God is going to interact with Israel. Uh, need is gone. Whenever Need comes back, tell him to show that picture. Um I'm gonna put you under pressure. Do you see a little picture? So that he downloaded a picture, so like a white picture. Maybe he didn't know where but I'll just add him when we'll he gets back. But nevertheless, there's a tabernacle that eventually. God asked Moses to make. And this tabernacle, it takes 13 chapters in detail for him to describe what's in that tabernacle. And it's very detailed, very specific. But the, the main part of the tabernacle is this room called the what? Holy of holies. But do you know what is drawn? And you know, that's my Virginia accent coming out. Drawn on the walls of the Holy of Holies? A garden. In the Holy of Holies, not the holy place, not the outer court, but inside the Holy of Holies, there's actually a garden drawn. There are trees, animals, and angels in the Holy of Holies. And, and what's that supposed to symbolize? The garden. And so what God is doing symbolically is showing Israel what his desire is. Israel could not go up into the mountain because God was too holy. However, what God said was, I will dwell with you. And so God made a replica of the garden that they could travel with and they would set it up. But nevertheless, there's a there's a tabernacle and in the tabernacle there's a place called the Holy of Holy. And that's where God's presence will go. So God wanted to be with his people. And the way he would be with his people is to be able to go into the Holy of Holies. Now, only one person go into the Holy of Holies per year, and that's the high priest. And if anybody else entered the Holy of Holies, they would what? Die. And so what God is saying is, I am repairing our relationship. And that's what he's doing. He was showing them Christ. This is what the tabernacle looks like. If you see there... Let me tell you what, 13 chapters it took to describe every single detail of this tabernacle. Because all of it means something very specific. It wasn't randomly put up there. Now, understand during this day and time, they didn't have like a lot of books. They didn't have Google. They didn't have uh, this old house to watch. I went back on y'all right there. They didn't have Home Depot. They didn't have, what's the name of the guy Beautiful Eyes. He was on the public access channel. Oh, lovely, lovely trees. Look at that happy tree, mommy tree. They didn't have him. But they had no reference at all to create, to stitch, to design, to paint, to, to weld. They had none of that information. But God is asking him to create something specifically as he Designed it. How could that possibly happen unless God gives them the wisdom? And that's what today is about. God gave these two men the creative capacity to be able to create that exactly as He asked them to. And understand this: it's the Holy Spirit that gave them the wisdom to do that. The Holy Spirit. And today we look at that like ah do that in my backyard. Maybe. Or maybe not. But the truth is they had nothing to go off of. Remember, they've been in slavery 400 years. And now they're coming out of slavery. And they don't even know this God, per se. And this God tells them to do something very specific. Create it this way. And there's like pictures, and there's painting, there's, design, there's gold laid over top of a kale wood. There's the, there's the art. I mean, there's, there's, it's amazing. Menorah, and they had to make it exactly the way God described it. If, if I was asked to do that, we would be in trouble. I'm, I'm being brutally honest. But God used these men to do something amazing because it was according to his will. And understand, you have gifts and talents that God has gifted you. And he's given it to you by his spirit. The problem is people oftentimes use those gifts and talents for their own purposes and their own ends and not aligning with God's purpose and plan for those gifts for their lives. God has given you the spirit, not simply for speaking in tongues or even doing healing, but to expand his kingdom's message. God's been saying from the very beginning of the Bible, I'm coming, I'm trying to fix this relationship, and he's been showing us through symbols, through art, through creation, through innovation, to, in a sense, hopefully, win humanity's heart back to himself. Next, uh, go back to the next slide, please. Thank you for that. So now, this is God talking. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name. Beh Now that is in Zell. That's right here. Beth is in Zell Shadow El God. So I have called by name in the shadow of God, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, which we all know means what? Praise. And I have filled him with what? The Spirit of God. So this guy has been filled with the Spirit of God. And he's going to describe what that Spirit, the attributes of that Spirit. In wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of what? Workmanship or crafting. There are people in here who I know who have the gift of craftsmanship. And they don't realize that that is a gift of God's Holy Spirit. God has given us this gift. Ability to create things for his glory. Now, we aren't building a tabernacle, though. We're building what? God's kingdom or his temple. It's the church. That this is symbolic of what we're supposed to be doing today. We are supposed to be using our gifts to help expand God's kingdom, to help establish God's church. That's why you've been given the gifts and talent you have. We, we look at Pam coming here, and Pam is like telling people what to do. E! I said, E! <laughs> ah, gee. And I'm like, E? I know what E is. I was like, E! go on! Right? And she's telling people to play. And I'm like, man, look at all those gifts and talent she's been given. You look at my wife. She, I mean, she can like sing and play music and like she creates all the graphics. And if you asked me to do any one of those things, we would have been dead a long time ago as a body. But but, but you have gifts here in this church that God has given you to build his kingdom. That if, if it was up to me to do it, we'd be done. Jared. We talk about how he manages and talks about money. I'm like, I don't like talking about money and you don't want me to talk about money. Trust me, but, but he has the credibility to talk about resources and how to help you. And this is overcome some of your financial challenges. That's a gift. That's a gift given by God. But a lot of times people hide their gifts. The word is crypto" in the Greek. That's it's, it's where we get the word kryptonite from. And a lot of times God has given you gifts for his kingdom. But we're using them for our own purpose. We're eating our own seed, as they say. And you're going to be rewarded based upon how you use the gifts God has given you. He, he gave him this in all manner of workmanship to what? To design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood, and to work all manner of workmanship. My goodness, he could start a business,
0: right? He could be
1: entrepreneurial. Uh. Mm. He could become a millionaire during that time, a millionaire, right? He ain't got a lot of money, but he could have all the money, right? Because he he can produce stuff. He's a producer. He's not a consumer. Preach it. Some people got that money.
0: But the point
1: is, he uses gifts for what? God's will. I'm not saying he didn't have a, a side hustle. But what I am saying is, his primary purpose was to help expand God's kingdom. Next slide, please. It says, and indeed, I have appointed with him, and I tried this before, a hola, and his name means Father's tent. <laughs> that's crazy, right? Like, we're talking about a what? Been making a tent, his name is what? Father's tent. Like you think that's an accident? No. Like, you think somebody has accidentally put that in there? No. His name means Father's tent, and he's been called out to create the fathers did and they'll be in the shadow of the Almighty okay I'm gonna keep going because i will get spirits healed up in here um, and then I'm not even try his name again of, of the tribe of Dan and I put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artesians. That they may make all that I have commanded you, the tabernacle of meeting, the ark of testimony, and the mercy seat that's on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle. Now understand how how did they how did they have this ability? Because God did what? He, he, he gave them the spirit to do that. God is because somebody in anthropology would say there's no way they really created this because they didn't have the technology. That's a fact. Even the Bible, there's some things written in the Bible that there's no way outside of God's Holy Spirit could even be in the Bible. The one reference I always like, I always say, I probably said here seven times when the Bible said, talking to Job, he says, do you know the mysteries of the snow? Now, it was written, how many years was this written? Almost like 5,000, 4,000 years ago. How did did the author, Job, know that all of the different snowflakes were were different? There's not one snowflake that is the same. And we just discovered this here, what, in the 1800s, we got microscopes? But some 4,000 years ago, God is telling Job, you don't even know how, how bad God is. He's telling us 4,000 years ago that there's not one snowflake that's the same. Well, and how did he see you? In the main point is, it doesn't even snow in Israel. And you start thinking like, well, how did they know that? Because God told them that. But see, we've been so chained to the scriptures that we're like, ah, oh, this is a book. When God is revealing himself throughout a whole thing, it says, the tabernacle. It says, "And the table and its utensils, and the pure gold lampstands with all its utensils, and the altar of incense." Next slide, please. The altar for an offering with all utensils, and the laver and its face, the garments of ministry, the holy cup. Now he's making clothes. He's making clothes. Okay, in my brain, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, God gave him this gift of making clothes, And all of it describes Jesus. And all of it describes Jesus. Thank you. sorry. No, that's the point. Like, God gave these people everything they needed to fulfill His will on earth. Now, if you're wondering, what am I called to do? What, what am I gifted to do? You're gifted to fulfill God's will. The question is, what gifts do you have? Are you using those gifts for God or are you consuming them? Hmm. And the anointing oil and the sweet incense for the holy place according to all that I've commanded you, they should do. Everybody got that? Go to the poll everywhere. We're going to take two polls one before we jump into the points and one after. So, who here says they're created? I need one person to be the guinea pig and put a a no so I can see what really went on. See, got all thought y'all were tricking me. Come on! That's four people now. No, wait, wait, keep it there because I want everybody to respond who can respond. Because I was so like, what's going on? So, who was the first person that put their answer in? Did you join it again? Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, now let me show her. Let me show her. Let me repent. Forgive me. I will never do that again. That's repentance. I will never do that again. Good job. Was somebody is somebody brave enough to say why they're creative? Or how they know how they know they're creative. Well what's the birthday cake I mean? Birthday cake you made, absolutely. That's creative. Anybody have any creativity that doesn't have anything to do with art? <coughs> you know, business um, people say the reason why America is still ahead in a lot of different areas of the world is because we have a lot of liberal arts schools, while a lot of countries still focus on like engineering and science and math and stem stuff, and they're like, because we have a lot of creativity. We have the ability and the capacity to still solve complex problems while a lot of parts of the planet don't, so they can't be innovative. And so a lot of people realize the importance of creativity, and that's something you get from God, according to the Scriptures. All right, now go back to the points, and we'll come back to this poll area in a minute. First point, and we're almost done for the day. The Spirit of God empowers humans to creatively imagine, design, and construct clothing, art, structures, and places of worship. I'm very specific there because the text was, but understand that if you think you're not creative, that's not true. Now, if people put you in a box and tell you you're not creative, that's not true. If you have God's Spirit in you, you know what? You're creative. And you have the capacity to solve complex problems for God. God has pulled you into his kingdom for a purpose, and you are the only one who can solve that problem. Oh, next slide, please. The inspiration for godly creativity comes from God's spirit. That's we don't even have to worry about that. Now, I'm not saying you're gonna be a, a, a goldsmith. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God has given you the capacity to be creative, and that is you, that's important. The problem is, do we draw from God's Spirit? Now, number two, do we give credit to God when we solve these problems? A lot of times we're, we're afraid to do something new. You know those type of people? I'm not going to do I don't know. I, I'm not a master of that. So I'm not going to do that, right? Well, you know what? We just showed through the scriptures that you don't have to be the master, you just got to be yielded to God. And that's the point. These The scripture talks about them having, been given the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. The question is, have you yielded to him? And that, that's, a, that's a difference between you doing your will and you doing his will. A lot of times people say, oh, the pastor, you're the one responsible to do this stuff for God to expand his kingdom. But no, the pastor is called to train up who? The saints. He's given apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the education of the ministry, for the building of the body of Christ for, for your sake. So you all can go out and do the work of the ministry. You are the ones who need to be creative. It's not about me. I keep telling people when all the things are done, I am doing exactly what God's called me to do. I know it. I left home to come here to do something for you. Our God may one day say, go somewhere. I don't know. I mean, that's what he can do. He could call me home. But nevertheless, it's not about me. The church is you. Next slide, please. God's spirit facilitates Godly innovation. We have some complex problems in the planet. In your job, God may give you the inspiration to be able to solve complex problems in your job. But don't run from problems. Embrace them. Did Daniel run from his problem? Who's the problem? Everybody's going to die. Unless what? He can interpret the dream of the king, which he didn't even know what the dream was. He didn't say, that's impossible. He said, give me time. I'll pray God to give me answer, and I'll tell you what to do. Are you facing a problem on your job? Are you facing a problem in your marriage? You need some creativity in your home. That comes from God. Yield he the spirit. Next slide, please. Give the spirit of God that glory for what he inspired you to do. When you do come up with the, the answer, when you have applied it, make sure you point back to God. I do that all the time. I oftentimes belittle myself in, in, intentionally so that you don't think, oh, he's so arrogant, right? God's an arrogant pastor. So I try to make fun of myself so you don't think for a second I'm arrogant. I, I really don't think maybe I'm arrogant by saying that I think I'm arrogant. I don't know. <laughs> But the point is, God has given me everything I have had, had in my life and will have going forward. I'm not that smart. I'm not that, I can do all that. I can, I can belittle myself a little right now. I can be a little ant right now. I can make myself look so bad. All the mistakes I've made. But everything I have good is because of God, not because of me. Next slide. Remember, if we don't give credit for our inspiration, then we are What? plagiarizing. Those people who are in school know about plagiarizing. When you plagiarize, they, they take you, they get kicked out of school. I have to make sure I cite all of my sources. Even ideas. You have to cite ideas. I want everybody to think about one challenging, complex problem you're currently facing right now in your life. One. And I'm going to ask you to consider that and take it to God in prayer. And say, God, I need help with this. Now, the crux, the context is Even though this problem may not necessarily be for God's will, I think God sometimes answer our prayers so he helps us to bring us along to realize that he wants to do his will. Because sometimes God will answer your prayer just to kind of encourage you, but he's trying to encourage you so that you obey him. So right now, if you're struggling trusting God, say, God, I have this problem. Help me resolve this problem. And he will. And my hope is that once he resolves that problem for you, once they get you the answer, you point to him and say right. thank you, and then you move forward. Amen. Today we come together and we worship God together. And we live in a culture today that is no longer worshiping God. Right now we are the outsiders. Right now we are the aliens. And I don't know if there's going to be this great revival that's going to turn our country back to God, whether people are going to get recommitted to God. But I know you're here today. And the message I have for you is that stay faithful to God. Your faithfulness is the evidence of the fruit of God's Spirit. The Bible says the difficult times do come, they come for us all. And I can tell you one by one, you're going through a difficult times. There are people here who need prayer. And today I'm going to do an altar call. If you need prayer this morning because you're going through something, now's if you're going through something physically or emotionally or spiritually, now's the time for prayer. Is there anyone in here while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, who wants to come up for prayer? It'll either be me praying for you or even Pastor, anywhere you feel comfortable. Some of you, I know you're tired, you feel like you're worn out, you feel like you're exhausted, you feel like, ah, I can't go another step. You know what? Welcome to the fight. There have been billions and billions of people on this planet before, and they've said the same thing. Some have given up. But you're made of sterner stuff. You've God's spirit in you. Spirit of innovation, spirit of creation. A prayer to you and for you today is that you allow God to use you to resolve those problems. Are they work problems? Are they home problems? Are they physical problems? Whatever they be, if you need prayer to help, just encourage you. The altar is open for prayer today than anyone else. Let me just pray for everyone. Father God, thank you for your Holy Spirit who empowers us and strengthens us, Lord. We need you to give us the capacity to continue to be faithful to you. Lord God, give us peace. We need your peace. And we need your grit and determination, Lord God. We want to display your character to the world so that your kingdom has an opportunity to advance through our lives use us, father